Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk and daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. So we're talking about Noah. And Noah's wife. Well, actually, interesting enough, we're going to talk about Genesis 6 to 9. Instead of reading through the whole story, we'll just kind of highlight as we go. And interestingly enough, they start off by just saying how bad the world actually is. Bunch of sinners. And as he's as God's talking and he just goes through and he's actually just kind of venting. Whoever really, if you've read the story, do you realize how much he vents? He's not impressed. He actually gets to a point where he regrets making humans. I just want you to know, I've done a lot of things in my life that aren't good. And I'm really praying that God's never regretted making me. But he gets to a point with the world that he just is regretting uh, creating men. And so as he's venting and he's talking about this, he notices Noah. And Noah, it says, is a righteous man. And so as Noah is a righteous man, he's, he's set apart just by the way he acts, the way he behaves. And because of this, God tells him to make an ark. Now what you have to realize is where he builds this, it's not really close to water. So as he's building this massive boat, and I just want to read some of this, I want to read the size of this boat. Because I know many of us, you know the Christian stories, you've read through the Bible, and you know all these main characters. But I think sometimes it's important to just imagine for a minute. So if you can do me a favor, I just want you to close your eyes. I won't come at you with cake. I just want everybody, just do me a favor. Everybody just close your eyes for a minute. I want you to use your imagination. I see too many of your eyelids, so like eyeballs. So close your eyes, follow instructions. And I want you to envision this for a minute. Here is the length of the boat. The boat is 450 feet long. A football field is 300 feet long. So you need to envision a football field and then half of another one. This is how long this is. And then it's 75 feet wide. And then it's 45 feet tall this boat is huge you can open your eyes I don't want you falling asleep this boat is so big now some of you might want these measurements so it was 35 meters long 23 meters wide and 14 meters high and at the very top there was about an 18 inch gap of a window kind of opening up the top. Let's be honest, if you have that many animals on there, you want a venting system. And so there's this top 18 inch window at the top to just kind of let the boat breathe. You have to think about it. Think about this boat. You've got elephants, polar bears, rhinos, hippos, grizzly bears. 
I'm trying to just think of some of the biggest animals. I could not imagine cleaning up after these things. It's worse than springtime if you have a dog. But here's the thing. Moses, when he, or Noah, sorry. Anybody else mess up Moses and Noah sometimes just as you're flying and talking? No, just me. Okay. Noah, when he goes to build the ark, he is already over 500 years old. Because the Bible, as it rhymes through the genealogy, says that Noah had his boys at 500 years old. So they figure it took him about 75 years to build the ark. How many people have ever done a home rental before? (laughs) 75 years. Now, your home rental might take a little bit longer if you started in your early 500s. So he works on this boat for five, when it starts at 500 years. And then in Genesis 7, verse 11 and 12, it says, In the 600th year of Noah's life, on the 17th day of the second month, on that day, all the springs of the great deep burst forth, and the floodgates of heaven were opened, and the rain fell on the earth 40 days and 40 nights. Now, how many people know... If we have a few days of rain in a row, it gets depressing. Could you imagine being stuck in a boat and all you hear is rain for 40 days? And not only did it rain, but it says that the ground opened up and water burst forth. And so it's flooding this whole earth. The depth of the water, this is how deep it got. You have to think of high, high mountains, okay? The Bible says that the water went above the mountaintops to a depth of about 23 feet, or about 6.8 meters, above the mountains. This is a lot of water. In Genesis 7.24, the waters flooded the earth for 150 days. In Genesis 8.35, it says the water receded steadily from the earth. So now we've rained for our 40 days, 40 nights. The water's still there for 150 days, just making sure everything's dead. Now, how many people have ever been in a church? You walk into the nursery and they have a mural painted of Noah's Ark. Anybody? You do realize they're missing a lot of information, right? Just wondering why we don't have the people out. Never mind. The waters flooded for 150 days. And then in verse 8 it says, The waters receded steadily from the earth. At the end of 150 days, the water had gone down. And the 17th day of the 7th month, the ark came to rest on the mountain of Atrat. The waters continued to recede until the 10th month. And on the first day of the 10th month, the tops of the mountains became visible. So I don't know about you, but I like numbers. So here is some math for you. They floated for five months. Another three months kind of wedged on the mountain. They kind of came to a stop and they sat there, but the water was still there. Forty days after sitting there, Noah sent out a raven. But it just kept flying back and forth because it couldn't find anything. And then he sent out a dove, but it couldn't find anything to perch on either. Seven more days, he sent out another dove, but it came back with an olive leaf. 
Seven more days. Are you following how long this is? How many of us are waiting for God's promises and we think a week is a long time? And we're listening to Noah, just the timeline that he's sitting here. Seven more days he sent out the dove and it did not return. So Genesis 8, 13 to 14, it says, By the first day of the first month of Noah's 601st year, the water had dried up from the earth. Noah then removed the covering from the ark and saw the surface of the ground was dry. By the 27th day, if you're listening to the numbers here, of the second month, the earth was completely dry. When you do the math, they're in the ark for one year and 10 days. Now, how many people like cruise ships? That is a long cruise. That is a long time on a boat. And so now Noah's on the ark for 110, uh, one year and 10 days. And in Genesis 11, it tells us, uh, Genesis 7, 11, it tells us when it started. And so therefore, that's how we know. And Noah is now 601 year old. I need a volunteer. Who here likes to volunteer or who likes to be voluntold? Who's got a hand up? Chad Wagler. No, he's already hurt. Not that you're going to get hurt. should clarify that real fast. All right, come on up, buddy. Watch yourself. Yes. So this board was built for Emma when she had her concussion to work on balance. So I just want you to stand on it. But now what I want, yeah. So just kind of rock yourself around a little bit. Lean forwards, side to side. Could you imagine, this? I know somebody's gonna tell me, no, no, it was a big boat, it didn't shake that much, cruise ships don't move around. But when the water is bursting forth, and it's raining for that long, I have a feeling there was a lot of days when you're walking on the ship, this is what's happening to you. And I couldn't imagine trying to keep my balance and trying to work in there for a hundred in one year and 10 days. Now I realize it wedged against a building, but as you're working in there, now let's realize this too. Can you do me a favor? Can you close your eyes? Yeah, so we know you're not lying. All right, so realize, there's, I realize they're gonna have some sort of lighting system in there, they're gonna have candles and stuff, but it's dark in there. We're not talking real bright. And so you're trying to keep your balance in the darkness, now, I feel sometimes in our walk with God, there's times where we're trying to keep our balance. We're trying to figure it out. We're asking God, show us your steps, God. But we feel so on level, uneven, that we're not sure where do we even step next. But Noah was faithful and he just stood there and he walked with God and he was able to sit in this boat and be able to see dry land and still wait. How many of us have waited on a promise from God and there's times in our lives where we can see it, but we're not allowed to get it. Could you imagine all the ladies in the place for a minute? You were on this boat for this long, and all of a sudden you look out the window and you can see the dry ground, and you're like, can we just go outside? And your husband goes, not yet. Why? Well, God hasn't said so yet. How many of you would start to get impatient? Anybody? 
don't know about you, but I get impatient when I wait for God. I would probably be the kid, one of his boys, trying to sneak out the roof and kind of climb down the side of this boat. I'm not sure how to keep long to keep him doing this. Should we just leave him for a bit longer? All right. No, you can go sit down, but thanks, man. You can give Julian a hand. So after all of this time, all of a sudden in Genesis 8.15, God says, come out. God says, come out. See, the interesting thing is God is the one who closed the door. God is the one who opened the door. And we like to use this line all the time. When God closes the door, he'll open another one. But there's truth to it. If God stops something from happening in your life, even if you think it's great, he knows better. And so if he stops something, he's got something coming along even better for you. And there's just a part of riding out the waves, riding out the times with God that we're not even sure what he's doing. But trusting Him, and I don't know about you, but one of the things a mentor told me one time is, I don't have to always figure out how to get out of the storm, but I I need to learn how to worship Him in it. And when we worship Him in the storm, we find that God is truly with us, and that we truly can stand with Him. Noah found favor with God for being righteous. And because of his righteousness, God asked him, To build the ark. See, what you have to realize is, even if you are living righteously and God wants to use you, do you realize that working for God looks a lot like work? When we want God to move in our lives, there's times where He might ask us to do something that actually is physically laboring. Our walk with God isn't always simple. See, here's the thing. How many of you have ever done something for the Lord because He's asked you to and you looked really dumb? Anybody? Anybody willing to confess? God asked me to do something, I looked really stupid doing it. Do you realize that Noah building this boat for 75 years, he would have looked really stupid? They wouldn't have understood. His friends would have made fun of him. And here's the thing I've learned. In my walk with the Lord. Following God will cost you. When you follow the Lord, when you live for Him, it will cost you. It might cost you money, it might cost you time, and it might cost you friends. For some people, it's cost them family. I just know that serving God is better than anything it might cost me. And I know we like to talk all about the good things of God, and if you serve God, life's good, but it's not always good. Life can be hard. Life can be challenging, but when you you walk with God, it's just like you have this extra strength. You don't always understand it, you don't always know what He's doing, but I know that He's better than I am. He's smarter than I am. Um, He's... Stronger than I am. He can accomplish more things than I could ever accomplish. See, here's the thing. Following God will be hard. I know, it's not super encouraging this morning, right at this moment. But it's supposed to be hard. Scripture tells us that it's the narrow gate that we walk through to follow the Lord. The road is not wide open. We have to walk and stay tight to the Lord. See, here's the thing that we're supposed to understand. As Christians, as Christ followers, people who are supposed to look like Christ, 
We're not supposed to look like the rest of the world. We're supposed to be different. The Bible says we're supposed to be strangers here. It doesn't say we're supposed to be strange, but we're supposed to be strangers. And too often we have strange Christians, but not strangers. And we need to follow God, but it's hard, it's challenging. We are supposed to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. See, following God is all about His timing. Following God is all about His timing. And this is the thing we touched on a few minutes ago. Even when they could see the land, they weren't allowed out yet. See, God knew that the land had to dry up better. God knew the land wasn't quite ready for them. And so too often in our lives, we see something that God has promised us and we want it and we want to grab a hold of it. But what we don't understand is it's just not ready yet. It's just not ready. And so we have to be patient. We have to trust in God's timing and realize that if I'm not allowed to grab it yet, it's because it's not ready. And you have to pray on both sides of that. You have to pray that God, can you prepare the promise that you have for me? And God, can you prepare me that I'm ready for it? And following God is all about the details. All about the details. When you read through a Noah, you see the details that God gave him on how to build the ark. God didn't just say, you know what, can you build a big boat? He gave him measurements. He told him to put rooms in it. He told him how to do the, uh, how to seal it. He told him how to do everything. So when God is speaking to us, and if you're not sure what he wants you to do, ask him for the details. He is a detailed person. He will explain it. He will break it down for you. If you're not, if he's not breaking it down for you yet, he's not ready for you yet. There's times where we take steps of faith, but there's times where He wants to give us instructions and that we just need to trust Him. So here's the thing I want to encourage you this morning in. If you're walking with God and there's promises in your life and He's asked you to do something that's not being fulfilled and you're just kind of getting frustrated and you're not sure what to do, my encouragement for you this morning is simply this. Don't quit. Don't quit. God still has you. He's still walking with you. You might be in the storm. You might be in the boat. And you're trying to figure out what's going on. But God still has the plan. He still has the details. He's still walking with you. Now here's the great thing. When Noah gets out of the ark. And the animals kind of go on their own to look after themselves. How many people would take a vacation? I don't know about you. But looking after all of those animals for a year and ten days. I'm done. But what he does before he stops, before he does anything else, he comes out of the ark and he builds an altar. You think after this amount of time, he doesn't want to build anything. But he comes out of the ark, he builds an altar, and he does a sacrifice to the Lord. Now just to clarify our theology, just on a side note. I know all of our children's stories and our children's song tells us that Noah took two of each animal into the ark. But he actually took seven of each uh, each clean animal. Because if he only took two and he did the sacrifice, things are extinct right now. 
So just clearing up some theology, because a lot of us, we don't even realize how much our theology is built on songs and uh, quick stories. But in the second chapter, he talks about how many animals he actually took in the ark, and when he came out, he sacrificed animals to thank the Lord for keeping them safe. Now here's the neat thing. God gave him a covenant. And just so you know, we get to see the symbol of this covenant all the time. God made a covenant with Noah that he would never destroy mankind again by flooding the earth. And what he did is he put in the sky a rainbow. So every time that it rains and you see a rainbow, and sometimes you'll see a double rainbow, sometimes we'll post photos of it, everything like this, and the rainbow is so beautiful. But we forget what the meaning of the rainbow is and the beauty of it. It doesn't just look beautiful. The meaning of it is beautiful. The rainbow has always been meant as a reminder of the covenant of God. It's not meant to represent anything else. And we need to remember when we see a rainbow that it represents the covenant of God. So here's some quick thoughts for you. Every time you see a rainbow, I want you to ask yourself these four questions. When you see a rainbow, you ask, what is it costing me? When was the last time my walk with God cost me something? When was the last time I gave up something to be closer to God? When you see a rainbow, you need to ask yourself, where am I being challenged? God, where are you stretching me? Where are you working in my life? Because I believe every one of us needs to be more like Christ every day. And the more we seek after Him, the more He will tell us, Hey, let's work on this, let's work on this. So when you see a rainbow, ask God, God, where are you challenging me? What are you asking me to change in my life? And when you see a rainbow, ask God, where, where do I need to trust you more? Where do I need to trust you? Where do I need to give up control? And when you see a rainbow, you need to ask, where do I need to listen to God more? What area of my life do I need to listen Many of us believe we can lead our own lives and we got it together and when something goes sideways, that's when we seek God. But I don't know you, but I'm learning that if I seek God before it goes sideways, it doesn't go sideways as often. And every time you see a rainbow, remember that God is with you. He's walking with you, He's in you, and He loves you. So maybe you're here and you've never trusted God before. Maybe you're here and you just came to the park and you're trying to figure out what's going on, but you're listening for a minute and you've never trusted God. Or maybe you're here and you know you need to make some changes in your life. So some of us have served God, we love Jesus, but we still live the exact same way we've always lived. And so if you're here and you've never trusted God and you're saying today I want to start trusting Him and if you're here and you've trusted God for a long time but you just know there's things in my life that need to change we're going to say a prayer. I'm going to ask everyone that can hear me if you're willing to repeat it after me. And what I want you to do if either one of those uh, statements resonate with you say it from your heart. Don't just repeat it. And so let's pray. Father God Everybody, Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus 
to die on a cross for me. Today I confess that I need to trust you more. I ask you to come into my life. I admit that I am a sinner. And Jesus, I need you to be Savior of my life. Forgive me of my sins. And lead me for the rest of my life. Father, I know that I serve you and love you. And I also know there's areas in my life that need to be changed. I ask you, Holy Spirit, and I give you permission to change me and show me the areas that need to be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're here, yeah, give people a hand. If you're here this morning and you said that prayer for the very first time and accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, or if you're here this morning and you've recommitted your life or just said, I just need some change in my life, if that's you and you just want to talk to somebody, uh, Katie's over here at the table, but I'm just going to ask all the uh, Bethel pastoral staff just to stand real quick. And every one of us is here. We want to talk to you. And so if you need to talk to somebody, please find one of us and talk to us. And we want to answer your questions and help you in any way that we can. Um, I'm going to ask Ruth and Richard Kneider if they will come uh, up here. They're going to give us some instructions about the picnic and all the games and all that kind of stuff. As they come, can I just close in prayer? Father, thank you so much for a privilege and the honor to come into the park. Just have some fun and to worship you and to celebrate who you are. And Lord, right now we turn our hearts to you and to just celebrate family and friends and have a great time together. And Lord, I just pray a blessing over simple dreams, Lord, and all that they do. And Father, I pray for just a fun time together in the park that, Lord, everybody just gets to know people and a family gets to grow. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you. And that you come back and check out next week's message as well.